Hey, this is Chip, and this is another episode of The Real Dirt. You can hear the waves crashing back behind me, and yes, I am in an exotic, foggy location of Humboldt County, Northern California, the epicenter of ganja growing and culture in the world. And, you know, I definitely say that with pride and reality. There are more ganja growers, commercial ganja growers, ganja culture, ganja strains, ganja seed, ganja stuff, ganja conversations up here in this large county of Northern California, but there's only 137,000 people that live here. And, uh, you know, it's a great place to be. It's a hard place to be. It's difficult. We are living up here in in a rainforest. It rains a chunk of the year. And then if you're on the coast, it's foggy and 50 degrees almost every single day. So you gotta love it, but the majestic trees, the incredible wildlife from the bears and the mountain lions and the Bigfoots and the blue herrings and the salmons and the, the rockfishes and lincods and crabs. And I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible wild paradise and mystic place. On today's episode, we're just gonna talk a little bit about Humboldt County and what's made it great in the past and what's gonna make it great in the future and kind of the problems it's gonna have, it's having now. So sit back, fire one up and listen to this episode of The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. Well, my friends, today you just get to listen to me. I don't really have a guest on the show. I'm walking on this great foggy beach in Northern California. You've heard me talk about it before, but it's one of my favorite hikes. And I decided to start doing a little hike when I was up here in a podcast. And this is one of them. They might not be quite released in order, but, you know, Humboldt County is an incredible place. And it it gets a lot of poo-poo from people out there in the cannabis industry. Uh, You know, my good friends in Colorado and Ohio and Washington and Oregon, they all want to uh, believe, and rightly so, that they grow the best weed and have the best weed. And they personally may. However, since the 1970s, Humboldt County has been the number one commercial production in all of the U.S. and definitely in California. Now, there were numerous indoor grows, numerous outdoor grows throughout the country from the 70s on till today. But commercial cannabis has been alive and well here, where in Portland or Seattle or Colorado or even Southern California, it's a relatively new commercial business to all of those places. Many of those places that have legal cannabis now, Southern California is quasi-legal cannabis. They're going into legal regulation, but it's not quite there yet. But places like Denver and Seattle, they had a marginal cannabis economy pre, I'm just going to pick a year out here, say about 2009, right? It was growing then, but a marginal economy. And I can say this because I'm also involved in the uh, hydroponics business, selling equipment to growers throughout the country and the world, Cultivate Colorado. And I've seen how it has scaled throughout the country. And I actually moved to Colorado in 2009 to start up Cultivate Colorado because of the growing opportunities there. And in California, I'd already seen it happen. And I'd founded the company Royal Gold and Humboldt Flower Products and made a ton of other stuff. 
and had seen it kind of happen in California and in Humboldt specifically and saw it was, it was breaking in Colorado. So, you know, we went to Colorado in 2009 and even in 2009, the economy of cannabis there in Colorado, there was nothing really going on, not compared to, you know, any community in Northern California, but especially in Humboldt County. Colorado, they legalized cannabis and people really just accepted it overnight. It was kind of amazing. I mean, it went gangbusters, you know, just incredible business in the hydroponic industry, incredible business in the real estate industry. If you're buying and selling real estate warehousing for cannabis grows, man, those are probably your best years ever. And, you know, it's like selling equipment, no lie. I mean, you know, we, we've grown 10 times since uh, we started out in 2008, and probably even more than 10 times, probably like 100 times since 2008. But the economy really grew. And even still, when I talk to people today that are in Northern California or now in Southern California in the hydroponic business, we talk about the volume of sales and Colorado gets a lot of conversation when we talk about the volumes, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's small. And, you know, California is a much larger population and that absolutely has something to do with it. You know, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, they're all about the same size and population. So this is about Humboldt, how big it is here and how big it's been and what's going to happen here in the future. So this is how big it was, it has been in Humboldt is in 2012, there was a widely circulated study that was done by the Department of Justice that decided that there was 13,000 commercial grows, and these are outdoor grows, in Humboldt County. 13,000 in 2012. Being in the hydroponic business and the soil business there in Humboldt at the time, you know, I can contest to that may have been the number of commercial grows but I believe they call it a commercial grow, anything with more than two greenhouses. You know, at the time, a, green, a standard greenhouse was 2,000 to 3,000 square feet. So their commercial, you know, standard was four to 6,000 square feet of cannabis was a commercial grow. And by their numbers, if you just want to use their numbers, let's just say 5,000 square feet, you know, times uh, 13,000. Well, you know, you're talking 650,000 square feet. That's a lot, man. It's tripled since then. Absolutely. On the ground, it tripled since then. Camp went away pretty much in 2019. I mean, 2012 campaign against marijuana planting. And it had been fading rapidly for a number of years. And, you know, camp started, uh, started back in the early 80s to combat the cannabis culture going on in Northern California. Ronnie Reagan, war on drugs, that all really affected it up here. This was, the, this was the war zone for the war on drugs. You know, people say in the cities and crack cocaine, man, they were putting all their money, all their helicopters, all their troops into Humboldt County through the campaign against marijuana planting that was supposed to be all of California, but it really only focused on the three counties that are the Emerald Triangle, which are Humboldt County, Trinity County, and Mendocino County. And those three counties since 1983 got bombarded with military and police enforcement with 
with guns, with helicopters, uh, with, with people creeping up in the woods. And then, you know, not to mention all the gang violence, all of the, uh, the robberies associated with illegal crops. I mean, it really was a war zone here for 30 years. And it's this beautiful picturesque place like it, like it is right now. I'll sit here and take a picture of where I am so you can see it, how awesome it is. And it's just fucking awesome here. And meanwhile, there was this huge war going on. And that war raged until, you know, I'd say between 83 and 89, the war raged really hard. It really crushed a lot of that large cultivation going on outdoors here in Humboldt and pushed it all inside. And, and really during the 90s, there was very little outdoor cultivation that was going on here that wasn't under the trees. No full sun as we call it now. But it was all under the tree cultivation. You know, that was harder to see. Uh, but, you know, people started just going inside, growing with generators started to establish some decent sized grows. Many, back then, many people's grows were 40,000 watts. You know, they would have uh, two gener- a generator on the flip and have 35,000 watts on you know, one cycle and 35,000 watts on the other. And, you know, many, many, many different scenarios that, that, that creative cannabis growers developed back then. I mean, you know, just huge amounts. And I mean, during this time, you're talking some of the, you know, the famous weed coming out of here in the 80s. You know, that, that's all skunk one, all the skunk stuff, the Afghan haze stuff, the haze stuff. That's all Northern California stuff that went over to Europe to get rediscovered. And, you know, then here in, in Northern California in the 90s, you got like Salmon Creek Big Bud and, you know, Trainwreck and Urkel. Those were all like, you know, strains that came out of here during that period of time, developed a lot of indoor cultivation in mind. And then 215 hit in 1997. That, uh, that, that really gave people a fighting chance. Greenhouses started going up. The, the curtilage laws had changed. So you could say, no, nah, this is my backyard. You can't step in it. The district ninth court had said that you can't just look in people's power bills just because you want to know. The cops can't just call up and say, hey, I want Chip Baker's power bill, right? And, and these things really gave people a lot of freedom to really expand on, on their cultivation opportunities. And they definitely did. Light deprivation, which was previously called black box, light dep, early out, people call it all that stuff. It started, it started to become prevalent again. You know, the early light depth revolution really changed a lot of the, the cash flow of cannabis up here. That really started about 15 years ago. And, you know, the importance of light depth is you can manipulate the light cycle of your outdoor cannabis and uh, start, you know, harvesting it in, you know, different months of the year than you would traditionally harvest outdoor cannabis. And if you were in a spot where... You can grow weed all year long, like maybe on the coast and elevation where the temperature is good. You got power and water and you can literally pull every single month of the year using the sun. You know, maybe you need some additional lights, but most traditionally people just add another harvest or so onto their traditional season. 
and they pull once or twice in the summer, and then they have a normal outdoor season where they harvest again in the fall, October, croptober, as we often call it. So uh, lots of light depth, and I mean, just the, the, it just started changing, right? Enforcement changed. Gallegos uh, came into the DA around 2002 as well, and he started saying, hey, if it's medical cannabis, I'm not going to enforce it. Man, people took him for his word for that and started blowing it the fuck up. That is for sure. And all over, patches started to crop up. And, you know, that was 2002. And 2012 was when they said 13,000 grows in the county. And I believe that. I believe that, that, that it could have propagated that much in that period of time. You know, because before late 90s, whenever people had small grows, right, the price of cannabis is really high, and everybody hit it. Everybody's trucks were smaller, pieces of properties were smaller, vacations were smaller. And then as 2012 comes along, you know, people got more money. Crops are bigger. Prices of the crops are cheaper, but overall, they're making way more money. Vacations are bigger. Trucks are bigger. People go from driving Tacomas to driving... 3,500 HD grow dozers. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, so, you know, the volume of cannabis is just incredible that, that, that was coming out of here. Tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of wheat. You know, another figure they throw around 2012, there was $2 billion of cannabis grown up here. Then Humboldt County Outdoor Loan. You know, man, that's, that's another figure that I don't think is too far off. The amount of cannabis here is incredible, and it really has supported these communities because you're just talking these small communities that are on the uh, bay in Humboldt and then some inland small towns, towns of like two, three hundred people. The biggest town here is like 15,000 people. And when I mean it supported it in harvest season, just like last year, a year before, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people filling the streets, looking for harvest and trim jobs. And, you know, all the hotels and, you know, full up. And I mean, it really, it's a really incredible, like, amount of people that come up here during harvest season to trim and weed and to finish growing weed and to buy weed. You know, it's really supplemented the economy and the cash money that people get from growing ganja. You know, they just spend it like it's, like it's a faucet especially in this type of community where there's nothing much to do. So, you know, you got your shoebox full of money and buy whatever you want at the grocery store. You buy whatever you want at the grocery store. You buy whatever you want at the sporting goods store. You buy whatever you want at the trinket store. And, you know, uh, uh, it's been good for the a local economy. And, you know, it's also been good for local charities. You know, another great statistic about Humboldt is how much people here give away. There's more donated here to charity than one would think, and proportionally so much larger than almost any place in the U.S. and definitely in any place this size. I mean, it's incredible, you know, how much people give to schools, how much people give to their local charities. Like, they are generous, you know, and and partially it's because they have cash. They're like, hey... Let's go give a shoebox full of cash to the radio station, K-Mud. Yeah, K-Mud, right? Pardon me, I'm going to fire one up. Mm. Oh, yeah. Sage OG. One of my favorite weeds these days. It's super up, 
THC. Now, people say that's not a lot, but I think that's a real rating. You probably get a rating of up to 30% on it with a dubious lab. But there's no CBD in it. And wow, man, it's just super up cannabis. I love it. So my point is, there's a huge economy that's been growing on up here. Huge billion-dollar economy. And in other places, they haven't had that scale of economy. They've had an economy, but... This is the only place in the world that ganja grows like this. There will be other places like it. In Southern Oregon, absolutely, it's happening there. But they're just starting to catch up, man. So legalization's come along, stuff people fought for, you know, brothers and sisters locked down in jail today over cannabis stuff. And we got the man beating people up and killing people every day, stealing their stuff every day over cannabis laws. And now it's supposedly legal here in, in California, needed it to be forever. And everybody's excited about this. Well, many people are excited about it. But you know, the reality is this, is that two thirds of the people up here in cannabis land in Humboldt, they're gonna have a really hard time continuing their activities. If you're not involved in the legal cannabis system and Chip's prediction that by September 30th, 2018, there's only gonna be about 600 issued licenses here in Humboldt, which previously had 13,000. We're gonna go off that 2012 number. 13,000 grows, you know, 650,000 square feet of potential grow area reduced to much smaller. Now, you know, I'm really bad with math, so I'm walking down the beach. I don't know if that math's correct or anything, but. You know, it's, uh, you can do it. It's, it's there. 600 farms, gonna be 600 legal farms. They're absolutely pushing out the private market farms. People say, oh, private market's here to stay, but it, man, I don't know, now they've got these zoning letters where if they know you're growing cannabis, they can send you a letter and say, hey, you haven't complied. You don't have a license. You know, you got to get up here and here, get legal or shut down, man. And if you don't shut down, we're going to give you a $30,000 fine on the 30th day. And then every day after that, it's going to be $10,000 until we got a $990,000 fine against your ass. And then we're going to lien it against your property. And, you know, it's going to be ours. So if you want to keep growing, you're going to have to go through that. And I don't think many people are going to do that in the private market. And many, 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 probably hundreds of people. I was just in planning the office the other day and I heard somebody come in there and say, oh, I got a letter of compliance from the county. Straight looking dude, you know, normal ganja grower up here. So people are getting shut down. There's only going to be 600 farms up here. The new compliance for 2.0 compliance is a joke. And it is going to be next to impossible for anyone to get a a license, um, next to impossible for anyone to get a license in 2.0. You're gonna be able to do it, but it is going to cost way more money, way more cash than it has cost in this previous phase. So if you haven't got a pre-existing license and you wanna get a 2.0 license, you can do it. Dude, setbacks for outdoor cultivation are 600 feet, for indoors, 300 feet. That's just setbacks from your, your neighbor's property, even if it's vacant, man. It, you know, wildlife reports, the biological reports, the archeological reports, the road reports, the stormwater prevention reports. Like it's gonna be expensive and it's not that people can't do it, but it's not gonna, it's, it's not like agriculture should be. 
where you can just, you know, file your simple permits and then roll up and grow whatever you want. If you want to grow cows or if you're going to have a dairy farm or a goat farm, like that's, that's all that you need to do normally. They're making it really restrictive on 2.0. So now there's only 600 growers in Humboldt. What kind of economic impact is that gonna have to this area? All right, back from a little break. Hiking on the beach can be difficult. Sand keeps your feet down, so always make sure you're well prepared. Today I had a, a nice pimento cheese sandwich. I don't know if you guys know what pimento cheese. Y'all know what pimento cheese is, but pimento cheese is a southern delicacy for picnics and road trips and fishing trips. I myself have eaten hundreds of thousands of pimento cheese sandwiches over time, and. I'm gonna give you my mama's recipe. This is Chip's mama's recipe for pimento cheese. If you're out there listening, I know several of my friends, Jake and Ryan, you guys might be listening. Here's what you need. Now, I, I, I changed some ingredients out, and I'm just gonna give you my ingredients, but my mom's recipe. Mama, mama. Mama's recipe calls for eight ounces of cream cheese. Now, I always use Horizon Organic cream cheese mostly because it's like what's available at the store right down the street from my house that I can walk to. And then you want to use sharp cheddar cheese. You're going to need 16 ounces. That's a full pound for you ganja people out there, 16 ounces of cheddar cheese. And you take one small little jar of pimentos. Now, pimentos... They're like a funky little growing plant. I can't even believe, you know, we, we eat them. I'm not really sure what they do. They have a peppery-like flavor, but um, they act mostly as a mixing agent and, you know, an identifier in pimento cheese because you take these little small jar of pimentos and you mix them in, preferably a mixer, uh, like a KitchenAid mixer. You mix your eight ounces of cream cheese, your 16 ounces of cheddar cheese. Uh, I prefer sharp or even extra sharp cheddar cheese. And uh, your pimentos. And then you, you, you turn it on low a little bit. And you also want to mix in some a little bit of salt and some garlic and some onion powder. Now, that's a great, great time to use garlic and onion powder. And, of course, I use all organic. I pay more for it. Laugh at me if you want to, but I'm a sucker. If it says organic and it's really organic, I'm probably buying it. So now I've got my like $150 block of cheese, my $600 block of cream cheese, my $40 bottle of pimento cheese, and I've mixed all that together. Now, now you gotta add a little mayonnaise. Now to this particular recipe, you're gonna need probably two to four heaping tablespoons of mayonnaise. And now here's the interesting point. If you wanted to turn this in to a cannabis food, this would be a great opportunity to put the hash in with the mayonnaise. So if you mix your hash up in your mayonnaise separately, like in your mixing cup, you know, I would say just like it is without decarboxylizing it or anything, you're gonna have to use some key for or hash. If you could decarboxylize your hash, you'd be better off. 
you know, that you need to put that in the, the oven at 135 degrees for at least 20 minutes. Now, I'm no scientist on this stuff. This is just how we do it. So, uh, but say we're just making the classic pimento cheese sandwich for road trips, fishing trips, hunting trips, and, you know, just tripping. A pimento cheese sandwich has a nice consistency of a spread, but it's a little thicker. It should be like thinner than a whipped cream cheese, but that's about, uh, that's about the consistency of you. I don't want it too hard. Now, the secret to pimento cheese is you need to take it and place it in the refrigerator for probably 12 hours. So it's a common thing to take this mixture, one loaf of white bread. Now you could use it with crackers or as a dip or however you want it, but you take your loaf of white bread, you take the whole loaf and you make, take all of that 24 ounces of pimento cheese that we just made and we divide it evenly through your 10 sandwiches or eight sandwiches that you may get out of your loaf of white bread there, Wonder Bread style, right? Just evenly place it and put all the sandwiches together and then stack them all on top of each other and then put them back in your Wonder Bread bag. Now that is a traditional way to serve the pimento cheese. And while you'll, you'll look like country for show, man, if you roll up to the party, to the campsite, you got a loaf of what looks like Wonder Bread, and you break out some pimento cheese. Mmm. Wow. Excellent. Hey, just a little tip. Also does great for um, making grilled cheese with the pimento cheese. And uh, if you have any leftover from your picnic, or your camping trip, or your tripping out, that's what you should do with them. So I digress. We're here talking about Humboldt County and the economic impact legalization is going to bring to it. So I was doing my math wrong, and I'm just going to let you know. I did my math wrong. You're going to have to check some of those numbers we just spoke about. But uh, it's all to scale. It's all proportional. So now we have 600, my prediction, farms. Maybe there's more. Maybe there's less to provide what the government says is 45 million people. What Chip says is more like 60 million people in the state of California. And then the hundreds of millions of people that visit the state every single year. Humboldt County has received 20% of the licensing in the whole state. Santa Barbara, they've received the other 20%, Santa Barbara County. And most of that product's going over there is for extract. A lot of product over here is also extract and oil as well. Lots of product. So the amount of flour on the market, on the regulated legal market, well, it's gonna be really low, man. There's not that many licensings here. So in the whole state this year in 2018, so I predict that cannabis prices are going to raise. They're gonna raise for the farmer, they're gonna raise for the middleman, probably gonna raise for the consumer a little bit. Now, let's hope this all gets proportional because in the past it hasn't been proportional. The farmer ate shit and got paid the least amount and the consumer, they've been paying $50 an eighth for 25 years, 30 years. 40 years even. So, you know, there needs to be some change somewhere along the lines. You know, I honestly think that $40 an eighth, you know, $200 an ounce is a consumable rate for most people. And it's worth that, right? When it gets all the way to the retail area. 
a retail person, I mean, you know, growing it, you're not going to get paid $200 an ounce. But like, you know, you, you need to get paid a, a chunk of that. And especially indoors. Like indoors is, uh, indoor cannabis is going to be very expensive this year. There's very few legal indoor cannabis operations on the market. The price of cannabis is already higher here than it has been in years for indoor cannabis. Indoor cannabis, I've seen it as much as $2,700 and $3,000 for indoor cannabis wholesale here in California. So uh, it is more expensive to grow here. It's very inexpensive to grow in places like Washington and Colorado and Oregon. So, you know, rightly, it has to be more expensive. I'm just saying supply and demand, supply and demand. There's millions and millions and millions and millions of sets of lungs here in California that are ready to chief out at any given moment. And they like 50% of it is flour. So 50% of the market is going to be concentrate. But man, that's the other 50% that's going to be flour. So you're talking millions and millions and millions and millions of pounds. And, you know, you can look at any of the analytics from Oregon or Washington or Colorado, where they have 3 million, 4 million people, and just, dude, just multiply it by 12, and that's going to be California. That's going to be conservative California, because, man, California, they know how to party, and people smoke weed here like no place else. And just the volume consumed here is just incredible. So uh, I, I believe it's going to be bigger than people think, but it's going to have some problems, man, along the way. So there's going to be all this money. You know, Matt Bickle, one of my great friends and previous guests, said to me that at any revolution, there are going to be people that win it and there are going to be people that lose it. And there are going to be people that win the power and lose the power. And there are going to be people that take the fortunes. There are going to be people that lose the fortunes. And there's going to be a transition of wealth for sure within this new economy. And I'm not quite sure where it's going, but I'm telling you, the, sh the shop merchants, the shop and merchants of Humboldt County in Northern California, they're going to take a huge hit. They're just not going to be that much free flow in cash like there used to be. Like proportionally, there's still going to be a chunk of ganja grown here, but it's not going to be spread out the same. And there's, there's definitely not going to be as, as many people, you know, and you got to, you got to realize that like the cumulative impact of all the people with one or two lights or with a handful of plants outside or with 10 lights, man, it really adds up. And so I'm, I'm walking on the beach today and I'm looking up here on the ridge from some houses up on the ridge. And, you know, out of those 10 houses, man, there's definitely a chunk of them that are growing ganj. And they go to work every day and they have their guns grow in the basement or, or, well, not a basement up here, but the garage or the backyard. And it supplements their hobbies and their income and their house payments. And man, that's going to go away, right? There are no going to be fewer brokers that are coming up here looking for cannabis. You know, they can't sell it into the dispensaries any longer. You know, not backpack sales. It has to be legally regulated sales, grower to distributor, distributor to dispensary, right? So there can't be any backpack sales, any backdoor sales like there have been since 1997 when medical cannabis was legalized here in California. All those people are going away, right? And we already saw it ha happening in Colorado. 
Like I had a store in uh, Wheat Ridge, Colorado, and it was full of these big homes that were, you know, people like right out of school, first college, like rentals even over there. And they were all growing it up, man. It was a great store. And then legalization came along and people, that community, Wheat Ridge, they didn't really allow it, medical cannabis. And uh, you stopped being able to sell medical cannabis or cannabis. So uh, people just stopped growing in the neighborhoods, that neighborhood. Now, and I actually shut that store down and moved to another area where it was commercial, big commercial growers. So those are the second guys that went. So first guys are gonna go out pretty quick. Unless you just wanna grow ganja, you're gonna fall out real quick, right? You're, there's gonna be next to no economy anymore unless you got some homies you sell buds to, or unless you're like, you know, shipping it across the US or something as most people do. You're gonna be growing it for your own, which isn't that many people as much as I promote it, right? You know, we help people that cultivate Colorado grow their own. Our motto is come grow with us, you know, and we want you to have successful gardens of all types, of all types. Small people going away. Medium-sized people, they're going to run it for a minute, but then they're going to get shut down. And the way they're shutting the medium-sized people down, you know, and the, and the, the private market cannabis cannabis tears, are by uh, using zoning restrictions and uh, business licensing. It's like, hey, you're not zoned for this. You're not licensed for this. You know, we're going to have to, you know, lean your property, kick you out, bust in your door. And, you know, that little bit of fear just keeps, you know, that medium-sized group of people from doing it. Those people that have a warehouse or a grow room in the back of their house, they built a shed or, you know, they've got a 10 or a 20 or a 30 light operation. Like, you know, they're going to get shut down next, if not immediately. They're going to get shut down by the government. But like small people, they're just going to get shut down by the action of it all. It's like, oh, man, well, fuck. Weed's so cheap. Why should I grow weed? Right? It's all a marginal thing for them. And some of them love it and will keep doing it, but not the most of them. Most people are just in it for the money. A little extra money. That, and I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, a little extra money that helps you through. You got your nine to fiver and oh, damn dude, sometimes that ain't enough. So you gotta have another job. And so those people I'm worried about up here, the shopkeepers I'm worried about because the cumulative impact of all the people that aren't growing or don't have the cannabis dollars to come and support them. You know, the county and their services, that's a, that's a catch 22 because there's going to be all this ganja money, but like the taxation, I don't believe any of it went to like general funds or improving infrastructure for counties or cities. It went into all regulation with the police and with the Department of Agriculture. So I'm not sure like, you know, how the cannabis dollars are going to trickle down for the community unless they put individual taxation on those cannabis sold. So I'm, I'm sure that's going to help. But, you know, in a place like Humboldt, and, you know, the Emerald Triangle in general, the real Emerald Triangle, not fucking Shasta or, you know, State of Jefferson or, you know, whoever else you think you are in the, in the, the Emerald Triangle. Emerald Triangle is Humboldt, Mendocino, and Trinity County. That's it. Makes a triangle on the map. Look at it. Doesn't mean anything else but that. And that's who grew all the guns in the 70s, 80s, even 90s in the U.S., it's where all came from, pretty much. 
Either that or Mexico. Some random grows that never lasted or didn't last too long in other parts of the country. And those brothers are still probably serving time in jail for some of that stuff. Little moment of silence with those guys. Babbling a little bit, but you see, weed still ain't legal. And uh, even when it has become legal in, in states, like there's still people in jail for committing crimes that might not be considered illegal now. So just remember that. So now we got 600 people with licensing and 600 people's my number. By the time this comes out, maybe there's more people, but I'm just saying there's 300 people with licenses today as of July 20th that are real licenses in Humboldt County. Then there's a bunch of interim licenses. And I believe only about 300 of those licenses are gonna be able to reach the finish line here and get uh, permanent licenses by the deadline of September 30th. So people aren't gonna stop growing weed, that's for sure. They're gonna keep growing it and all, all the bootleggers and outlaws out in the hills, they're gonna try to keep growing it. But you know, like I said, with these letters by the county about zoning compliance and business compliance, one neighborhood I know got 40 different letters in the whole neighborhood. You know, and they're just trying to push people out. And I get it. They should be pushing people out that, you know, that aren't, don't want to compete in the, the legal cannabis market, right? And, and it's fair the way they're doing it as opposed to, you know, guns and fucking bullies, right? So we need to legalize weed, man. I don't want to bail anybody else out of jail. And I don't like it when my friends are in jail family is in jail. And if you've ever had that happen, you know what it means, man. You know, and it's not fucking cool at all. And you know, it's, it really is against our civil liberties. And that's why weed's legal now in so many places. One of the reasons. So the county's getting less money. There's 600 small farms. Most of the farms in Humboldt are less than 10,000 square feet. Those are all small farms. You know, cumulatively speaking, that's a, it's going to be a few, few acres there, but nothing to compare what it used to be. Nothing compared. One tenth or something. So where's the money going? What's going to happen? It's not like there's going to be less weed that needs to be smoked. And no, you're absolutely right about that. There's definitely the same amount of weed, if not more, this desire that's in demand that needs to go into the supply, but the supply has been flooded with a lot of uh, private market, gray market wheat, and that's why the prices drop. So when people say, oh, look what legalization's done, it's like, well, actually, it's quasi-legalization that made the price drop like this. Next year, the price will go up, and it's this year, this year, 2018, the price is going up already. It's already going up for the farmer. You know, it's going to go up to the end user, too how it is so I, I, what's the future here the future here is that if you have a license a pre-existing license here in Humboldt County man you need to work hard while the sun is shining what do they say make hay while the sun shines well right now is the time to make hay because I believe there's only a few years when it's actually going to be affordable and you're going to be able to make some good money and you know, take that money and pay off all of your bills and extraneous costs and hope that you can come out of this thing and be able to just, uh, 
you know, have your have a lifestyle and your farm paid for you and you're truly into cannabis and you can continue growing it or, you know, you build up such a business that someone comes and buys it. So, you know, that's how it rolls. You work till you retire or you sell your business. And for the next three years, man, just like, like keep the same truck. Don't go on vacation. Make sure the kids got everything they need, but not too much. And uh, pay off all those debts, all those bills. Make sure you got those taxes paid, man, because they're on that shit, man. You can't hustle that at all. You know, and uh, man, just just really go for it as much as you can. If you're planning on doing anything bigger, plan for the future. Don't plan for now. That's for sure. If you got a 10,000 square foot garden and you want a bigger one and you're going to apply for a 2.0 or go get something someplace else out in the world, make sure you get as big as you possibly can get and afford to run or else you're going to be left behind. Make sure you dial in your business plan. You can make some money on 10,000 square feet if you mind your P's and Q's. You work on the quality of your ganj. You uh, work on your profit margin. You can make some cash. It it can be done, and you're doing it right now, many of you out there. So uh, my prediction is people are still smoking weed, and people are still growing weed. And uh, property value in Humboldt, If you have a timber property that's not weed legal, it's going to drop, going to drop. If you have a higher end residential house, I believe your prices will stay about the same. The lower ones are going to stay about the same and everybody in the middle, they're going to have some price drops in their real estate. Two thirds of the people are going to leave the cannabis community up here whether they go and get other jobs or other cannabis people, I guess they still stay in the community then. But two-thirds of the people are going to stop being independent business owners. That may be good or not. You know, if we're lucky, all those people go back into the cannabis industry and we're able to grow and really take a foothold on what's going on. Man, my also view here is this, is we think it's legal and we think it's one, but the power to be out there, they are fighting on a hour by hour against cannabis and against what can be here with cannabis in Humboldt County. And the planning department, the building department, and environmental groups, uh, Humboldt Baykeepers, watershed protection people, uh, neighborhood groups, they are all out and pissed that we won. And they are going to try every way to regulate us. So while we're trying to comply with your new regulations, you're trying to comply with your new regulations. You've got like your new application going. Man, all those other guys, they're out against you and are out making laws that don't benefit you. Right. Because there's very little input from people who actually know what's going on in the cannabis industry into what's happening. And there's way more people who just are pissed about it. And they're cops and they're so-called quasi environmental groups. They're the other powers, the school boards that just don't like cannabis and don't see its beauty and don't see its power as a plant. You know, are scared of the mind awaking, you know, potential of THC and CBD and cannabinoids. 
And those guys are against us. They are fighting actively against us, and we don't see it, and we need to be aware of it. This new 2.0 designation by the county is absolutely part of that with their setbacks, with their environmental requirements. And I'm an environmentalist, man, but, like, man, a little bit goes too far. If you can perform a commercial logging operation on a piece of property, then you should be able to grow 10,000 square feet of ganja, hands down. If you come into any commercial logging operation, you see all the exotic invasive species that have inhabited the land and how the landscape's been changed and the, the plants and the animals have changed. If you've ever seen that, then man, you know that any regulations that they're talking on cannabis in this manner is unjustified, is heavily handed. We have to really pay attention. You're gonna to have to call your, your representatives. You're gonna to have to talk to people. You're gonna to have to talk to your neighbors. You're gonna to have to bond with your neighbors. You're gonna to have to find out who else has licensing in your neighborhood and get together because there's other people in your neighborhood that are pissed that you got a license and are gonna actively try to cause as much problems for you to do business as they can. And you think, might think I'm paranoid. One of my attorneys, Josh Koppel, he thinks I'm a little paranoid. But I just see it, man. Like, we won, and now they're pissed about it. And we don't make the laws. They do. So we got to get in there and put our two cents in, be like Ron Edwards down there in Mendocino County, man. He is down at as many Board of Supervisors meetings as he can so he can make sure that he's going to have a sustainable business for years to come in the cannabis industry. Ron's working hard to be able to do that. And we're all gonna have to get together. Like with uh, Hezekiah Allen, man, you know, he, he's, he's doing a lot of great work to help the small farmer, but you know, uh, uh, it's, he's struggling. You know, it's a big fight there. You know, we all have to donate to those organizations and we, we have to be a part of them. We have to talk to other people about what's happening. So uh, there it is, man. That was this episode of The Real Dirt. I hope you liked this episode. I know it's just me walking on the beach, stoned on ganja food, talking about Humboldt County economics, uh, doing bad math, but I uh, enjoyed myself. And, you know, I'm glad I'm out here and there's nobody around because I really do look like I'm just talking to myself. So uh, this episode, you can download this episode and others at therealdirt.com or The Real Dirt podcast on iTunes. Please subscribe onto iTunes Real Dirt Podcast. And uh, yeah, look for some other stuff we got coming up. Just a little hint, hint. I got a book coming out soon. So if you're interested in uh, thriller, drug crime novels, then uh, check it out. I'll let you know more about that later. All right. Well, I'm going to enjoy the rest of this hike. I got another mile or so to go. Fog's getting thick. You better fire one up and smoke out the beach. Real dirt.